This episode of Okie Podcast is brought to you by Southwest Trading Company. If you've not been to Southwest Trading Company, please go do that right now or after this podcast. But the location for Southwest Trading Company is 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Southwest Trading Company has so many items from so many different artists like jewelry, art, blankets, cedar boxes, clothing, collectibles, you name it. They got it. So please go check out the store. Holidays are coming up. So why not shop at Southwest Trading Company? Go like the Facebook page. Follow the Facebook page to keep up with all new events coming out the store and items. And once again, that location is 1306 East 11th Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Go check them out and let them know Russ from Okie Podcast sent you. What's up, everybody? This is Russell Sun Eagle from Okie Podcast, and I'm here with Jason David Frank. What's up, everybody? Jay Stan Frank, the Green Ranger, White Ranger, Red Zeo, Red Turbo, Black Dino Thunder, and now my own movie called The Legend of the White Dragon. Just want to say thanks, everybody, for listening. You guys are the best, and you know what time it is. It's Morphin' Time. I said before we started uh, the take, you know, most people came and say Rory. They go, Roy? Roy? Rory? Rory? <laughs> so that's, yeah, I'm proud of you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank my, you. my Cherokee name is Uskan. It means a uh, complainer or uh, uh, angry. Oh, yeah. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the last hour and a half of us talking. <laughs> but uh, good good to be here, man. Uh, thanks, love- for, thanks for coming over. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Love filmmaking, wrestling. It seems like a good match, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, are you you live here though, right? Yeah, uh, live live uh, near seventy first Sheridan, yeah, uh, Tulsa, mm-hmm. on the Muskogee Reservation on that side. Uh, yeah, we talked about people freezing up when you say where do you live, and it's like, yeah, I'm doing. You <laughs> 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 was talking about like where how I ended up in Tulsa, maybe was that. Uh, well, I remember we we're kind of talking like beforehand. You said you lived in Texas. Are you from? Texas? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, was born in Mesquite, Texas. Uh, dad's Cherokee, mom's white, mm-hmm. and uh, have two Navajo sisters, and uh, got a brother from mom's side. You know, before they got together, and uh, lived in Mesquite till I was about sixteen. And uh, parents retired, and they wanted to move back to you know this house they had in Peavine, Oklahoma. It's outside Stillwell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was, I was a little shit, man. Like I was real depressed and yeah, moving from the city to the middle of nowhere in my eyes back then. And this is 20 years ago. I'm 36 now. So I've lived in Oklahoma more than I lived in Texas. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, uh, yeah, I had, you know, trouble adjusting at first, you know, city boy going out in the, basically the woods, you know, mm-hmm. go to high school at Stillwell. Uh, ended up meeting my wife there. I was working in a casino out there in, uh, Adair County. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Delaware, uh, working West Siloam, living in Westville and Peavine at different times. 
and I was always making movies. Like I'd get a camcorder and make little short films on the family. And like, you know, talking horror directors and stuff, I always liked uh, making props. You can make a really good blood squib out of like those things you use to air up bike tires real quick. Those little CO2 things. You add like a tube and put a bunch of gore in it and you pull that trigger and it'll just burst like you got shot with a gun. Mm-hmm. So I was always making stuff like that. I'm doing goofy little horror movies with my dad in the woods and stuff. And uh, that would lead, like, you know, Rory's real good with a camera, you know? So I'd start doing some weddings, do uh, a lot of friends that are musicians, so do little, make them some promotional materials and stuff. And uh, working at the casino, just third shift, I learned about a, I think it's an internship at a OCO TV, you know, Cherokee Nation runs documentary show. Mm-hmm. And I uh, apply for it and I get hired for that. And uh, it's in it's in Tulsa. I live in Westville, Oklahoma. And uh, the pay was like 15 bucks an hour, which was great because it was a little more than I was making in the casino. And so that little bit more paid for my gas to get from Westville to Tulsa. It's a three-hour round trip every day. But like, and so I get that internship and treat it like a full-time job. Try to learn everything I can. And they were great. There's a guy there, uh, Zach Litwack. He taught me how to edit him in a glorious shade. Uh Matt, oh my God, what's Matt's last name? Shoot. Anyway, sorry, sorry, Matt, but you you know who you are. Uh, Matt, you know, uh, gave me kind of a rundown on uh, Canon C100 cinema cameras, and that's the camera I still use. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, I tried to learn everything I could. Uh, I just didn't like sound. I got no clue. I tried. My buddy Nate was working there at the time and gave us a sound class, and I was just, I couldn't even wrap my head around it. Uh yeah. But, you know, just try to, learn, try to be as useful as I could. But uh, I was real good at, like, research. I have, you know, I uh, knew a bit about Cherokee history. And uh, a boss gave me a task one day to go down to Stillwell. And they're, they're working on a story about a Cherokee uh, strawberry farmer. And they needed, like, historic pictures of strawberry growers. And I go down to the Ader County Genealogical and Historic Association. I hope I got that right. But they, they were a huge help. Gave me all of this, you know, showed me where all these pictures of Farmers were, and I got all these Stillwell strawberry. They have it every year, you know, festival. Uh, gave me all these like pamphlets about that, and I, so I came back with just this like huge stack of like they asked for like a couple pictures, and I came back with like a smorgasbord. That's a good word. Uh, so I came back with all that, and they were like, you know, you could do like a story on the Stillwell strawberry festival. And I was like, you could, and you could do this and this, and I've got home videos from you know going there with my family. And the boss is like, do do you want to write it? And I was like, yeah. You know, yeah, I do. And so threw everything into that and then got some notes on it, and rewrote it. And then uh, I asked if I could edit it too. And they kind of like, I don't know, you think you can? Da, da, da. And that's how they taught me editing was, you know, ed- editing that together. Mm-hmm. And so that internship was like a real good experience. You know, there was a lot of people there at that time that have gone on to do like really awesome things, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people that work on Res Dogs were there at the time. Um, Fancy Dance, I think. Yeah, yeah. Charles Elmore, yeah. Shout out, Charles. <laughs> uh, yeah, so just good experience. Uh, internship ended, kind of did some freelance stuff for a while. Ended up getting hired to be a producer. Uh, late 2019, right before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that was, I met so many people and got to do so many things in like a short period of time. Like I can never like talk about it all, but like, yeah, so I worked there for a while, got a lot of good stuff done. And there was kind of like a transitional period. A lot of people were moving on to 
other things. And I was like, yeah, it's a good time to leave. And uh, just kind of kind of want to see what I could do on my own, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, started applying for like everything. You know, apply for Cherokee things, apply for a lot of native things. And like, I wasn't really getting any traction. And I was like, man, that kind of sucks. But so I kind of, my wife was always telling me like, don't just apply for like native stuff. Apply for just anything. She, she was like, you're good. Don't just stick, like, don't go ahead and put yourself in that hole that everybody else is going to put you in. Mm-hmm. And so I started applying for like Firelight Media is a great organization that does like a BIPOC documentary run by Stanley Nelson. I think he he's at least Academy Award nominated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A great documentarian. And so I applied for something they had called the Spark Fund that was to help filmmakers that had lost work in the previous year. And uh, yeah, I met the criteria, having lost work. And uh, ended up winning $50,000 from that Whoa. to continue this work on a documentary I'd been trying to get going about my great-grandpa. So my great-grandfather was the first person arrested for murder in Adair County, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. This guy raised my dad, my great-grandpa, you know, in a dirt floor cabin, Peavine, Oklahoma. And he'd always tell me the story, like, uh, hey, Grandpa, you said uh, you went to jail? He's like, yeah, he wouldn't talk about it much. But when he finally got him to tell the story, it was, like, really goofy. Like, uh, they were out selling whiskey. And I'll tell the story this way. He doesn't tell it like this now. I think maybe he was messing with me. Uh, But he said uh, they were drunk. And he's drinking with his buddy, Buster Walking Stick. His name is Jim Crittenden, my great-grandpa. And they're drunk. And Buster tells Jim, I'm going to pee on you. And then Jim goes... You pee on me, and I'll fucking kill you. And then Buster goes, I'm going to pee on you. And he goes, you do it, I'll fucking kill you. And then Buster peed on him, and then he killed him. Shot him, reloaded, shot him again. And so, like, I always thought the way my dad had told it to me when I was a kid was, like, so kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And I thought it'd be, like, a kind of off-kilter, like, short dog. Just, I'm kind of, like, goofy guy. And so I was like, this might be, like, a goofy thing to do. A short dog on I started doing like research on it and what actually happened to him. Like he, you know, he ended up turning himself in and he's tried for murder. He was charged with manslaughter, mm-hmm. which I, th- I think there's a court docket in Air County Courthouse. I go find all those. Um, this is what I have left to do, you know, find this stuff. I've done some interviews and stuff about this. Um, So he's basically claiming self-defense that he was going to like, he thought his life was in danger. Mm-hmm. turns out it was like, I interviewed my dad about it for sure for the film. And he didn't, he, this goofy version was not what he told. Mm-hmm. Uh, I interviewed him and my uncle. And I don't remember who said this, but they said like, it was a deal gone wrong. Like he thought that Buster was going to kill him. And so he got him first. Mm-hmm. And, and the story got like a lot darker and uh, stranger. And, and this is a tough thing to deal with. Uh, but it, it's tough doing like a documentary about, uh, trauma because like and, they, and so like doing this documentary I was digging up a lot of that stuff and I started having like thoughts like do I want to like profile my family this way and so it, it's I'm still going to finish it and do it and I just it's more touchy than I wanted it to be I wanted to do a goofy little like story about this thing my dad told me and it became this bit just kind of grew 
and a lot of things that Jim dealt with and uh, in talks I've compared him to like not in like a character way he's not like I, I've talked about you know the movie Forrest Gump mm-hmm. so in that movie he just happens to be in all these places where these historic events happen mm-hmm. uh, researching kind of what happened to Jim it was a lot of these same things like he uh, allotment era you know he had to leverage his allotment against his bail and that money just we don't know what happened to it uh, he, I, I don't want to talk about it too much because, like, you know, this is yeah. Watch the movie when it comes out. So, anyways, applied for Spark Fund, got that, and uh, that was kind of that was that was a real like. That came at a time when I was having like real doubts about like should I just fucking stay there, you know? Mm-hmm. And just I really enjoyed that job. I love telling those Cherokee stories and meeting all those people, but like it's just time to move on. You know, I think you can. If you're not in a place where you can grow, mm-hmm. you got to, you know, make that space if it's not available to you. Yeah. Uh, so I did that. <clears throat> I got this. Uh, so I tell you, I was applying for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got this thing. Uh, Richard Janes, he's a guy that uh, he and his wife, Amy Janes, they run the Green Pasture Studios. I'm afraid of, I'm sorry if I messed that up, mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. And they had done kind of a contest to see, like, Richard's been working on film in like England and LA for like 20 years. And they were doing kind of like kind of giving back to community here in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. They moved here to open up that it's a, it's a like film school, uh, unaccredited film school. And it was like a director's mentorship with Richard. And we'd meet on like Saturday mornings and he had like a a lesson plan and he would like give us like an example of something he'd done. And uh, it was really cool. He gave us some like books to read and in that, in that, I met Randy LeClaire. Uh, I think she's Pawnee, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Her. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Annette Arkakita, she's Oto, Missouri. Mm-hmm. And she's teach at a, I don't know, I'm getting her schools mixed up. Love Annette. Uh, she's teach at a, I don't know if she taught or went to Comanche Nation College. I think she taught at Comanche Nation College, but she was teaching like documentary film there. And she would bring in like, I think she was, I think she mentioned like Black Horse Low once. Like she'd have mm. people come show their films and uh, a lot of native uh, students there at Comanche Nation College. And uh, she reached out to me because she'd been working on uh, a project with Toei Jacob, Choctaw filmmaker, mm-hmm. uh, called Indigenous Cuisine. And they'd been looking for an editor. And like she's like, do you know how to edit? I'd mentioned that I'd learned how to edit. And uh, we kind of, I always started talking, hit it off. Like, and it's real cool, you know. You should have her on, man. She's real cool. Uh, lives in Elgin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she's been working forever. She's done, she was a playwright and making documentaries. And like the same, t- the same point where I'm feeling like real down, I'm not, you know, I was like, maybe this was a mistake, you know. Uh, she's a real encouraging person. Like uh, you really kind of like took me under a wing. I was like, no, no, like you're great at this and just a real positive like influence at the right time I needed one. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I shot for her a couple times and, I've gotten jobs where I'd like bring her on because she's just great to have on set. Like, uh, even if like the job is just a PA, it's almost like having another producer on set. She's just, her eyes are open. Like, you know, you work with people that have great instincts and like, you just want to keep them around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's great. Like if y'all need a hand on set or like a producer, like call Annette, she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, she really kind of dragging me on my funk, you know, like you gotta get moving, gotta get moving. And so, you know, we're still working on that project, the Indigenous Cuisine. It's uh, I'm still editing. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done, I've shot a couple things for them. Sometime this summer, I got an email from these folks in Canada, uh, picture this productions and they were looking for a Cherokee director because they had learned about the, uh, Cherokee nation does this. Remember the removal, uh, bike ride mm-hmm. every year it, just to bring like, uh, you know, attention awareness. Cause you know, as native people, we, we all heard of the trail of tears, but like, you'd be surprised how many people Americans don't even know like what happened. And so this was a initiative. I think it was started in the eighties and, uh, Will Chavez of, uh, you know, if you're Cherokee and you know the Cherokee Phoenix, you probably know Will's name. Uh, he's kind of like the Cherokee uh, journalist of modern day, you know, mm-hmm. just a great person. And he was one of the first people to do this. And this year he was the trainer. Mm. And so the cohort of writers this year were all women. And they didn't plan it that way. It just happened. And so these Canadians found out about this that it was this all-female cohort of Cherokee Nation writers for this thing. And they searched for Cherokee filmmakers. I have a friend that uh, did real well this year at Sundance, and I think they found her. And uh, she's, she's busy or couldn't do it or didn't want it, I don't know. But uh, she gave them, like, a list of names. You know, they reached out to me, and uh, I was like, that sounds really interesting. Canadian show? And, like, I love being out there, like, uh, back east in the homelands. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just... Uh, I'm not like a super like corny dude. Like I'm, I'm goofy. I'm not religious or really, I'm not traditional superstitious or any of that, but like being out there, you just, there's something to it. Like you feel home mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, being, and so I, I took that job and, uh, I was kind of having to like scramble and get a crew together. Cause like they're, they're Canadians. Like the reason they were looking for somebody here is cause it's you know, still kind of COVID times. They're having trouble getting crew down to the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so ended up uh, tapping buddy, uh, Dustin Howard. He's a film composer. Fucking awesome. If you're making a film and you're like, oh my God, I don't have music. Look up Dustin. He's awesome. And uh, we had like the hardest time finding a camera operator or cinematographer, cinematographer. And uh, everybody we reached out to was busy. Res- Reservation Dogs was filming. Like people were you know, all booked up. And... Uh, we ended, uh, I, I just ended up going through like the Tulsa film database and Oklahoma film database, just finding people that had like credits I recognized. Mm-hmm. And I sent that list to the Canadians and I came back with a uh, buddy Bryce and I just realized, I don't know that I've ever heard Bryce's last name said out loud. So Bryce Reedsdale, Reedsdale, sorry, I'm fucking it up, dude. <laughs> uh, but, Bri- <laughs> but Bryce, they found Bryce, and Bryce is working on reservation dogs. He was a DIT, you know, people that kind of move data from camera to oh. editors, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, well, he wants to be a cinematographer. So he has any opportunity to actually flex those muscles. He's like, let's go, man. So I get, and, you know, didn't meet Bryce until, like, really the drive out there. And uh, we got along real well, picked up Dustin from the airport in Chattanooga, and uh, went down to Georgia to follow those writers. And it was just a fucking great time, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a few days off, went and spent them in Cherokee, North Carolina. Got Ooh. to show Bryce uh, Gadua or Mothertown. Mm-hmm. And uh, he filmed and I flew my drone around. And so there's like a, if you look at my Instagram, there's like just a, like a little, foot, little just a video of uh, Gadua. It's like a, you know, as Cherokee people, we would say that was where we come from. Yeah. You know, so there's like a little video of just us there. And it's just real serene and calm. Um, it used to be a big mound, but... Uh, when people were moved out and white people took it over, they tried to like 
grind the mound down for farmland. And so mm-hmm. it's it's not what it once was, but it's still you know special to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you know, and this so after that break, we get back on the road and we meet. Uh, so they have a host of the show that kind of says stuff, and uh, is Anna Lom. She's a Inuk actress from Nunavut, mm-hmm. and that's. I learned all this from her. Like it's, it's neat learning about other native people, man. Even like, especially like Canadians. Uh, she showed us like the island she comes from, and she's like, "We call it the mouth of the dog." And she's like, showing us the map and turning around, and I was like, "Ah, oh, it does look like a dog," Fun. you know. <laughs> and uh, she was in Trickster, that big show. That, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What happened with that? But uh, and the Grizzlies, and the, I, last I heard, Grizzlies was on Netflix, and I think that was her first thing. Mm-hmm. And she's just getting to know her was awesome. Like uh, she's very, very young and just already has such a like good head on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. It kind of pissed me off a little bit because <laughs> I was such an <laughs> asshole when I was 20, you know, and I was like, man, this is just in awe of, you know, you meet a person that you just know is going to be doing big things. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be a fan of her forever. Mm-hmm. Um, she's going to be a new true detective. She's one of the leads. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Mm. If you, if you look at her, uh, follow on alum on Instagram, and if you look at her story, she'll always have like this little rubber duck. Mm-hmm. And that was from Dustin. Uh, Dustin, we, we had a little, little like mascot in the production car. It was this little green rubber duck. And I put like Cherokee tattoos all over it. Oh, yeah. And so he gave her one, a different one, you know. And so she's like, it's really cool to see it, you know. <laughs> she's, she's like in Iceland taking pictures of that duck. Like that duck has been all over the world, man. Whoa. Uh, so that, that was a really cool experience. And then, you know. We come back and I think we wait a couple of weeks and we pick the writers back up around Adair County and follow them to the end. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, Brittany Bendabout, she came on mm-hmm. as like a, I think our set photographer. For oh, that really? part. yeah. Oh, cool. Annette helped us out there too. Yeah. She's real cool. Like, and, uh, and I, I looked down the list of people who've been on the show before and I was like, oh, yeah, I know all of them. <laughs> uh, somebody told me there was somebody doing a Cherokee language documentary and it was by these guys, uh, have an outfit called Blurry Pictures. Because I follow it and just kind of like, oh, that's neat. I try to follow any, anything like Native or Cherokee. I always just try to like follow it, keep abreast of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ended up DMing me, asking if I wanted to meet. It was about a year ago, pretty soon after I left Fedosia. And uh, met with them, talked a little bit, and uh, learned about the project. They had uh, gotten some kind of grant that was like learning about uh, dying languages. Mm-hmm. And they learned about Cherokee and... They learned about Sequoia and they thought he was really interesting. He invented our Cherokee syllabary, our writing system. You know, every uh, syllable in the Cherokee language has a written symbol. So that's our syllabary. Mm-hmm. And Sequoia developed that with his family. Um, and so they learned about Sequoia and they went out to Cherokee, North Carolina, to the Eastern Band and met with a lot of people there. And, you know, they, they got some, I'll say, uh, Gold, like they they filmed interviews with people that are not around anymore, mm-hmm. that are just tr- tragic losses, and because they they were doing this right before COVID, and so it's it's just a what they were able to capture, what they have is great, and through that you know they learned like oh there's other Cherokees you know in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and so they come down here and they learn about you know they, they talked with the people that run like the immersion school and stuff out in the Eastern Band, and then they come here to Tahlequah and they you know, go through the tribe and learn about the, uh, God, was that the Cherokee language master apprentice program, the Clamat, mm-hmm. where they teach, uh, adults 
the language and like the idea is like if you're, if you're going on that program, you are then going to go on and pass the language on to others. You're going to be a teacher of some sort. You know, it's an application process to mm-hmm. get into that program. And in that, they met Sean Duncan, and he's a UKB. Uh, currently, he's a teacher, I believe, at Delonaghy, uh School south of Stowell, and uh, the, they hit it off real well and uh, brought on Sean as a co-director. And uh, I think through Sean, they met Kelly Gonzalez. She's an artist. Mm-hmm. You have her on too. She's real cool, man. She used to, she used I, to, or still has a podcast. I, yeah, I think my friend DT told me about her. Yeah, yeah, and you just reminded me. Oh, Sh- been, Sean's uh, cool too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, hate, I hate like saying a nice thing about someone and then I forgot like it would be I think she would be good on this show she had a podcast with her sister or still does I don't know it was called uh, oh, Cherokee Word for Movies yeah Cherokee yeah. Word for Movies I remember hearing about it and then I listened to a few episodes I don't do it no more I don't think yeah I don't know because it's not it hasn't been updated but yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna hit her up yeah she's, she's real too. cool man mm-hmm. uh, so after I met with those white guys, I vetted them through the, <laughs> through, through the Cherokees. I was like, yeah, I sent Sean a message and like, I think check Kelly and, uh, they're like, Oh yeah. And they kind of gave it, they said all the right things in person, but I always want to make sure, you know, not being, a, I wanted to see how they were treating them mm-hmm. and, uh, on up and up, man. Look, those dudes really got it. It's, uh, Michael McDermott, Michael McDermott and Jacob Kessler of blurry pictures. <laughs> you know, they, they started editing what they had, you know, they, they filmed all this, uh, the Cherokee communities around, uh, Stillwell Telequal. And uh, it's a real, like, we vibed real well. Like, uh, I'm pretty loosey-goosey with my doc- I like I like the story to just kind of go where it goes mm-hmm. when I'm making documentaries. And uh, a lot of similar style, me and those blurry pictures dudes. Uh, they'd seen, like, uh, they looked at my OCO work, but, like, I remember one of them pointed out, uh, I, I used to go to Tulsa Artist Fellowship. Uh, my buddies, uh, Matt Hex and Nathan Young, they'd run, like, Tulsa Noise. Mm-hmm. Do you know what noise music is? Isn't it like noises? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess, but I don't explain it because I'm certain way to, it. Yeah, I'm gonna butcher it, it too. A, that's what I was like, I don't there's wanna, an art to it, you know. I don't want to offend anybody, but I know what it is. Yeah, I, I was in the advanced art classes growing up, and mm-hmm. I, I recognize that it was like a form of like performance art, but they hate it when you call it performance art. Apparently, <laughs> so sorry, but uh, but I, I'd filmed some stuff there, and like, there's really interesting visuals and stuff, and I'd make these videos. Mm-hmm. And one of those dudes saw that and he's like, you know, the, the documentaries are great, but we really like that noise video. I was like, but, uh, I thought that was neat. We got along real well. And, uh, they had me past few months, sent me out a few times to do some pickup shops, pick up shots and do, uh, some drone and you know, just kind of check in on folks. And, uh, I've seen it. I saw an edit of that a couple months ago. It's fucking great. It's a feature length documentary. Damn. Uh, called uh we will speak uh i don't want to i don't like speaking cherokee when i don't can't pronounce it right because mm-hmm. people make fun of me and i deserve it mm-hmm. but it's uh english title we will speak and it should be ready next year uh the that tv the canadian tv show is called warrior up i don't remember if i even said that no but uh that should be airing in the spring okay in canada uh, i'll try to figure out a way to get it to the u.s some way <laughs> they said it might end up on youtube which really yeah. If not, well, I'll yeah bother them until they just let me have a showing down here mm-hmm. <laughs> for the families. Uh, whiskey and a pistol. I'll probably be f- 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 picking that back up. I'm picking up the what do you call it the the, the research and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna start putting a script together and like 
getting all that archival material together this month and probably pick that back up next month. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be done sometime in 2023 and I'll try to get that in some festivals. Uh, indigenous cuisine, same deal. We'll try to get something ready in the next year, uh, early part of the year. And oh my God, it's a lot this year, man. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot, dude. Well, like my 20, what is it? 2021. After I left that job, like just nothing was happening. Yeah. And I was like, oh man. And so once things started happening, I just kept saying yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And like, I need a manager to be like, hey, fucking say no. But like, <laughs> I don't, I don't regret any of this, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so I, you know, I'm still, still applying for things. I ended up in, uh, so the Native American Media Alliance is put on by the Barsid Foundation. That's those folks that run Skins Fest out in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ended up getting in a, writer seminar they had that was about a week long kind of intensive uh if you already had like a script ready to go uh they'd kind of like help you fix it you know they you know and uh i got into that and i was pretty stoked man they hooked me up with uh i think i can talk about it uh cherokee screenwriter uh william uh garut uh real cool dude like uh he gave me a bunch of notes and met with him a couple times and uh my script was is a Western pilot called Going Snake. Mm-hmm. Going Snake's kind of that Ader, it's Ader County. Like, it's where my family's from. Uh, you're talking about like your Cherokee folk heroes, uh, Zeke Proctor and uh, Ned Christie. Like, that's Going Snake District, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, just kind of, I use fake people in it. Like, I don't use like real historical figures because you can't, I get too nervous like saying the wrong thing. Those families still exist, you know? Mm-hmm. And they're like, nah, that's not what I heard Ned did. You know, you don't have, yeah. Run into all that over and over. And so, like, I'll use a name, but it'll be somebody that didn't really exist or in a job that didn't exist, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, he gave me some really encouraging uh, talk, talks about it. And, uh, but uh, yeah, he's like, oh, there's intense scenes here. And uh, I really like these characters, but, you know, something I do in writing is I always end up fucking up the main character. They, they're just like moving through spots and everybody around them gets more interesting. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I know what they're supposed to be doing, but then I forget to like give them some character along the way. Uh, so that was a great experience going through that, uh, writing seminar. That's what that was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I ended up applying for, they had a feature film writing lab and I was like, that's what I really want to do. Like the, the work is in TV right now. Like that's where, that's all the paying jobs, all these streaming services and everything, mm-hmm. especially when the pandemic happened, they went long form episodic content. Uh, movies took a bit of a hit. Like nobody, the money's not there as much as it used to be mm-hmm. because people were staying home, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that's still like, I've always loved movies. And that's what I wanted to do. And so I applied to be in uh, Native American Media Alliance's feature film writers lab and uh, got into that. And from in that one, you develop something from the ground up. And so I pitched three things and the thing they picked, they picked was I had like a sci-fi time traveling Cherokees. I had a slasher. I'm going to talk about that because I'm never going to make that. No one will ever pay me to make the slashers. I'm going to tell you what that was. Uh, I fucked up the pitch so bad that I know they didn't pay me. <laughs> but it was, uh, there was just going to be this biological monster that was like, the subtext was it was going to be like white supremacy. <laughs> yeah. And it was all these kids going to like, it's also like not, you know, I, I write down pitches and I throw them in a folder 
and like just if I have like a movie idea mm-hmm. and I'll pull them out. And it, this was like of the time when like, you know, we were having all these protests and people were like pulling statues down, pulling the heads off. of mm-hmm. like, And I remember like somebody almost got to that fucking Andrew Jackson statue in front of the White House. And I was like, do it. <laughs> Get it. And so it was going to be, they were going to be protesting this Andrew Jackson statue. And this fucking blob of whatever the slasher villain is was going to be just taking pieces of metal and attaching it to itself. Mm-hmm. And there was going to be this big reveal where it put on the fucking head of Andrew Jackson. Like it was, so they're going to be chased by a giant Andrew Jackson. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. No one's ever going to pay me to make it. Unless you want to, but uh, you won't. <laughs> so I thought that was going to be the one there was like niece, but I pitched it so poorly. Like I did better than just now that I did in class. Uh, and but what they sell them was like, I was like, well, what if Dracula was Cherokee? And they're like, that's fucking cool. I was like, it is fucking cool. That's why I said it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I kind of developed that and then it was like, I actually wrote this. Uh, I can talk about it. Like being precious with things like nobody will ever know what I did. Uh, but you know, people give, so the rest of the class is giving you notes. Your instructor, uh, our instructor was Matt black from AFI. Mm-hmm. He's a, he was great, man. So I, he's a horror dude. Like I was stoked to uh, have a horror person in. Cause I thought I was going to like pitching horror stuff to like somebody that, yeah. If you don't get horror, it's just a hard sell. Yeah. yeah. But he did a movie called, uh, I think Porno is what it was called. It was like a low budget horror film of these kids that work in a theater. And they find like this old porno that I guess summons a demon. You know, hmm. they, they play this porno in the theater and it summons a demon. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just understood everything I was trying to do, even if I wasn't like really putting it out there properly. Mm-hmm. And uh, something I was running into trouble with is like writing native people. I wasn't putting them in any danger. <laughs> people getting <laughs> fucked up weren't native. And so I was like, oh, well. I got to get over that, you know, in a horror movie, like if it's a native horror movie, the native people have to be in trouble. Yeah. And about halfway through that lab, Jeff Barnaby passed away. You know, he was a big uh, Micmac filmmaker. He did a uh, rhymes for young ghouls and blood quantum. Mm. Oh yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I was bummed. Like, uh, I didn't, I didn't know him very well or I didn't know him like at all, but we followed each other on Twitter and, uh, it just got out of the blue, man. And I revisited his films and I kind of see like, it's okay to be a little like shitty. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't explain. Just, you know, he, that rhymes for young ghouls deals with a lot of uh, trauma from residential schools before like Canadians were okay talking about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't think they're really that cool talking about it. Yet. They're just acknowledging it now. But uh, just really, you know, when he passed away, they were calling him uh, unflinching and. And so just revisiting his films gave me kind of like insights. Like, yeah, you have, you know, some Indians are going to have to get fucked up in a horror movie, you know? So, yeah. uh, so Dracula kills a couple Indians, but, uh, but Dracula himself is Cherokee. Uh, the idea being that like, so my, my story in that is, uh, so in Georgia, my family's from Georgia originally for removal. And they come to try to remove this, uh, Cherokee man off his land but the white man that's got in the land was a vampire that goes to like do vampire shit to the Cherokee man, but he fights him off, but he's bitten. Mm-hmm. And so he turns into a vampire and he holds that land in Georgia. He just holds it. And like, and Dracula always has like, you know, there's mist in the mountains and there's magic, I guess, vampire magic. And mm-hmm. so he just kind of like held this property for 200 years, but he's trying to bring Cherokee people back and expand, take it all back. And so he's kind of like, 
running almost like a program where he's bringing these Cherokee specialists there. Mm. And, they, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I don't ever see our boss during the day. Isn't that kind of fucked up? You know, where, where is he? You know, oh, he's out working, you know. And uh, and it kind of plays out like Dracula. Uh, yeah, I don't say too much more, but like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it it's okay. I need to do a couple of rewrites on it, I think. Because mm. it's uh, a lot of that lab was like learning how to structure films. And uh, in kind of that nuts and bolts, again, I didn't. Some of the some of the heart is missing, and I need to go back through and really put in like, really focus in on characters and get that going. Mm-hmm. But uh, if that sounded really cool, like hit me up, buy it. <laughs> it actually sounds really fucking cool. Thanks, man. <laughs> I want to see that. <laughs> well, you, well, Russell, use your connections and get mm. me in, in front of Spielberg. <laughs> Spielberg. He's in a movie Cheese right now, didn't he? Uh, from yeah. Res Dogs? Yeah. yeah. That's cool. It's called, uh, I forgot the name of it. That but dude's local too, right? Uh, cheese? Yeah. I believe yeah. so. Nogmogi. Or Glenpool. One of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he, uh, I remember when they first announced that, like he was going to be in a Spielberg movie and then to see it now, it's out. I haven't seen it yet, but I watched the trailer and Cheese is in the trailer. Mm-hmm. He's in the trailer. He's like a Boy Scout. But I guess it's like, those kids, they decide to make a movie of their own. So it's it's them going through like... He, he didn't like what J.J. Abrams did in Super 8. And he's like, let me show you how it's done. I forgot about Super 8. Yeah. Hey, J.J., sit down. <laughs> let's let Spielby show you how it's done. <laughs> Would you Spielby? That's what... Yeah, oh, we're friends. You know, I, can, I can call Steven that. We hang out, so Ooh. yeah. Spilby. No. He calls didn't. me Roy. He would probably get so pissed off hearing that. <laughs> Who is this fucking guy in Oklahoma? <laughs> Imagine if it caught on. Jesus. It will. Oh It'll God. be shirts. Yeah. Spilby. Spilby. Yeah. Uh, of Flyer Moon's around, so everybody's like, oh, Marty. Yeah. Oh, me and Marty did real well. I did nothing. Like, I didn't get hired for anything. I applied for all that shit. I applied to work on that. I applied. I don't want to run things down, but like, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> what did you apply for for uh, Killers? It's just the general like call. Oh, yeah. They were looking for like people to work. And I was like, dude, I'll come up there. Mm-hmm. I can lift stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I had a buddy. Uh, he was an extra on it. And uh, he had, a, I guess, a beard or mustache. And so he was in one scene. And then uh, he said there was a dude that's like, you know, there's a bit of a crowded scene. And so there's a scene with like De Niro there. And so there's a guy that was like, now's my fucking chance. And he pulls this fucking script out of his shirt and starts like trying to hand it to people. And he's like, you would not believe what? how fast they got that dude out of there. Like they're keeping an eye out. Cause they, I guess it happens. You know, people are like, now's my shot, Marty. You know, <laughs> I've never heard of that. I mean, I've seen it on TV movies, but yeah. in real life, no, I've never he's, seen it. He saw it. And, Pull it out of your shirt. Yeah. Now's my chance. Yeah. And then just get escorted out. <laughs> you don't understand. I've been working on this forever. You just know it They're going to like it. It's the worst, like. <laughs> I want to read it. Interior, day, mob hospital, Robert De Niro, a.k.a. Bobby. <laughs> Goodfellas, too. Yeah. <laughs> Marty, I know you've been looking for this. 
I got it, man. I got Goodfellas too. I bet too, they fucked him right up here. like in Goodfellas. Like they put him on a table, put his head in a vice. <laughs> that guy that pulled the script out. <laughs> that wasn't fiction. This is how Marty deals with people that step out of line on set. Oh, that was in Casino, right? No, that was in Goodfellas. No, that is Casino, yeah. Don't they like smash somebody's hand too in Casino? Yeah, I was thinking of Casino because that's when like, hey, you fuck, I'm um, Joe Pesci accent come in. <laughs> you fuck! You know, he, put, he puts him on the table. <laughs> he puts him on the table and puts his head in the vice. And that's when they smash his hand, right? Is it? Yeah, he's asking him so. questions mm. and like his eye pops out, doesn't it? Yeah, that's right. Okay. I don't know if it's implied or if they show it, but. Messed up, and you you get the effect, you know. <laughs> I like that impression. You fuck. Like, you I fuck. can't say anything else he says because it's not good to say everything else. Oh my! What's God. that like? Uh, I'm funny to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just saying you say funny things sometimes. Yeah. Are you what a clown? <laughs> Do I amuse you? Yeah. No, I'm just saying sometimes. You- <laughs> I, was, I went and watched uh, Goodfellas after. Was, was, oh, I'm so bad with names. Uh, Henry. Henry. Yeah. But, when uh, that actor passed away. Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. Yeah. yeah. I, I did watch, too. I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. When he died, I was like, what? That's crazy. I hate to be that guy. Like, I, I save things. Like, when Jeff Barnaby passed, revisit his work, I've been meaning mm-hmm. to. And then Ray Liotta's like, oh, I've been meaning to watch Goodfellas again. Actually, I was meaning to. And then when he passed, I was like, all right. It's on HBO Max. I'm gonna watch it. The best scene in that movie is when, like, you know, the girl across the street's getting messed with, ends up being his wife, mm. right? Yeah. And he goes over there and with a little pistol and just beats the shit out of yeah. that dude. You feel that, man? Like, yeah. That's real. Like, I would do that. He puts that gun in a gun in her hand. Hide this. Yeah. And she's like, "Oh yeah." And it shouldn't say anything. But it's all over her face. Like, <laughs> do it again. Beat him up again. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how. Like, did you watch Tulsa King? Sorry. Yeah, I watched the first episode of that. Sorry, I got to watch the rest of it. I them. cut you off. You had something. Good. Oh, Sorry. with the Goodfellas, though. But I always think of like how crazy it is. Like, you know, because at first of the movie, everybody's like getting money, hanging out. And then things just drastically start changing mm-hmm. as the time goes on. And then like Henry's on Coke or hooked on Coke. And then De Niro's like just because, oh, Pesci dies. He gets whacked. Yeah. And then things just drastic. You see things just change after that, and it's like so crazy because Henry gets on coke or whatever, and he can't keep his shit together. And then De Niro tries to kill his wife, and that little scene where he's like, "Oh, here's some money. Go get some dresses in that part." And then those guys are in there, just standing there, and she feels it, so she takes off and yeah. freaked out. And and Henry's like, "Yeah, it's just us, you know. It's fuck them, <laughs> you know." And I mean, I don't know. There's that scene of uh, Henry and De Niro after people are already getting knocked off Mm -hmm. in that diner. And he meets him at like the most public place in the world. Yeah. And I forget what, what is it about that? There's something special about that shot that, you know, that two shot there at the table. Mm -hmm. There's something like going on. I forget what it is, but they're doing something, they're doing something special to like make it more uneasy. Yeah. I don't know if it's like zooming in while pulling back. Like there's something Spike Lee does. Is that the Hitchcock effect? Kind, the like, kind of vertigo thing. Yeah. But it's like slower. They're, they, right? they're not moving, so they, they're staying in the same. Yeah, they're both sitting I'm across a, from I'm a cinematographer myself again. <laughs> but uh, they're at the same, I think, focal length. They're, but whatever is happening. There's, ah, fuck. Why am I even talking about this? I don't know what it is. <laughs> I just remember there's something special about that shot. You know? <laughs> I'm going to go Google it. <laughs> I'm going to Google it, too. Anyways, Tulsa King. 
thoughts? The first episode I thought was it's crazy, man, because like that dude would have got the shit beat out of him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, Walk, walking it, in look like a mega church preacher. It was funny though, because he's out of prison and he's just trying to get accustomed to everything. Why does he know how everything works? And he's here. Yeah. He's like, weed's legal, but he still goes in that guy. He's like, I'm I'm your protector now. You give me twenty percent. And he just takes it. I'm like, can I do that too? No. <laughs> like Stallone. Oklahomans have guns, man. Oh, gangster. Yeah, yeah that guy just makes them. He just they lets will them do never it. find you. He just lets them do it, too. He's like, oh. You just got into town. Ain't nobody going to look for you. Okay, cool. Yeah, and he just takes that money out. He's like, all right. <laughs> See you tomorrow. Yeah, that show was premiering the same time that crazy shit was going on in Okmogi. And I'm like, God. Like, you. I, I, just, I can't help but like watch something like that and be like, here's what I would do. You know? And. I. I would have that character come in and think he was going to run this place. Like he would come in, Taylor Sheridan, take notes. This is like, I make fun of that guy. And I always say like, unless he wants to hire me, I'm joking. Yeah. But, uh, I would have that guy come in and think he was going to be able to act like Stallone does Mm -hmm. just walk in and own the place. He's like, Oh, these rednecks and Indians. I'm just going to stomp all over them. And then like that weed store, like you just have that go completely different. You got that nerdy guy, uh, Martin, that actor. He was on Freaks and Geeks as like the nerd back in the day. Oh, yeah. Martin something. Yeah. I would have that dude be like, that dude's got a meth head cousin that's killed somebody. You know he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, like, I would have that guy go, oh, yeah, sure, right here in the back. And then, you know, just get gat on him, you know? And mm-hmm. so, he like, hard lessons. He's not running into any like, real obstacles. And so, he's just kind of like shitting all over Oklahoma everywhere he goes in that series. Yeah. They go, uh, he goes to a pot farm and he's like, oh, he's Muskogee. And like, some of they like a term for white man, but they use like the, I think it was like the Lakota term for white man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what really? Muskogee dude uses. Yeah. And like, anytime there's an Indian, like fringe and beads all over the place, man. Like this decked out. Huh. Uh, the dude that plays, uh, John Redcorn and, uh, he was like the chief on Parks and Rec. They had like a couple episodes oh, of the Chief Cat. Yeah. That dude plays John Redcorn in King of the Hill. Mm-hmm. And he goes to visit this like native uh, pot farm. And John Redcorn's just super pissed off, covered in fringe. He walks up, he's like, What are you doing? And they just have like a standoff for no reason. Did you watch the entire show? The entire series? I don't know if it's all out. I watched I watched the first two episodes. I didn't watch it right when it first came out, but I watched the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. And I did like, you know, like you live tweet something, but like, I don't want to put anything on Twitter because I don't people arguing with me. Mm-hmm. So I put it on Facebook because I can, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to get argued with by strangers on my Facebook. You know? uh-huh. And so I was just like kind of running commentary on it. And then I think a little time went by and I watched the third episode. And I was just fucking bored by the third episode. Like, because <laughs> he's walking around. He's like, oh, Oklahoma's got this. Oh, they got this. You know, he's just, he's just discovering things. It's kind of funny. <laughs> And he's like, oh, the pot's legal. Indians, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> and he's just, I'm a Stallone fan. Like, uh, Rocky's legit, fucking first blood. But I cannot get into Taylor Sheridan's. I can't, you know, I tried, everybody, I got family that likes that Yellowstone show, and I've tried so hard. Mm-hmm. But, like, just in the first episode, the way they treat natives is like, oh, look at them out there. I can't even tell you what was happening. I just remember, I'm like, what's I can already tell how he's going to treat natives in the show uh-huh. in this first episode. And I was like, fuck this. But these <laughs> are, these are jokes if he wants to hire me, by the way. 
I haven't watched Yellowstone. I will sell out in a second, Mr. Sheridan. <laughs> I haven't watched Yellowstone yet. I it's like Game of Thrones for me. Like by the time I was gonna get into it, it was already like way too deep into everything and I was like, damn, I gotta I gotta watch all these seasons to even catch up and now there's another spinoff or whatever, so Tulsa King. So you don't like it? I like it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I just found it like kind of comical the first episode i haven't watched any of the rest but yeah. it's just him like getting out and then just like like <laughs> making those noises like oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> center of the universe oh <laughs> so when that said <laughs> the episode's called the center of the universe and i went oh fuck you know and so he goes there and i'm like you know i think i you know this is when my little running commentary i was like I want them to not explain it at all, and I want people to just think people go momentarily insane mm. at that spot. <laughs> but he walks up, and there's like a an unhoused woman there with a, her cart full of stuff. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, she's going to be the fucking sage that tells him what that is. And he goes, what is this? And she's like, oh, that's the center of the universe. And oh, <laughs> and she's like, yeah. you know, you stay in there, you just, nobody can hear you, and everything's quiet. He goes, well, I'll throw that for later if I'm having a reflective moment, you know. And uh, he does. But at the end, he has a reflective moment. He goes there and he's like, oh, I'm a kid. Thinks I suck because I kind of do. My favorite part was like, you know, he's that DEA lady sleeps with him. And, oh, yeah. And then he's like, she's like, how old are you? And he goes. 75 and she looks at him like he's a serial killer yeah she's so disgusted (laughs) that he's 75 and i was like that's kind of fucked up and then like later on she finds out he's a killer Mm -hmm. she's back into him (laughs) yeah oh he's she's yeah i don't know what she atf ad i don't remember she's a government official a government cop She's a fed and she finds out that he's actually a killer. And she's like, Oh yeah. She's just suddenly interested again. It's like, Oh God, I hate this shit. <laughs> that part, that part went in the bar and it was her friend's group. And that girl was like, are you famous? Remember that part in the first episode? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, well I'm going to look like Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> Are you famous? You an idiot. Just say yes. Yeah. He's got no game, that character, too. Taylor Sheridan fucking can't write, man. Unless he listens to this, in which case I'm kidding. Yeah, we're kidding. Yeah. We're just joking. Yeah. Good show. Wrestling, though. Yeah. That was the golden age. Yeah. The attitude era. I grew up, my sisters put me in the sharpshooter, and then like- For real? Yeah, and then WCW is the Scorpion Deathlock, so, (laughs) yeah, they did it the same way, but- uh, it hurt just as bad both ways. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my brother put me in a figure four leg lock one time. He flipped it over on him, reversed the pressure, and made him tap out. So he came back from the Navy. and um, I, I hear the Navy teaches you how to do a legit figure four. He, it's probably why it hurt. Yeah. And he came, he came to our house, and I was watching wrestling, and he, he knew Ric Flair or whatever. And Ric Flair was on WCW, and... He's like, let me show you this move. So he's like, lay down, you know, lay down, you know, got my legs up and then went around and did the actual figure four on me. It hurt so bad, dude. And then my mom and my grandma just were laughing. 
yeah. and I was like about to start crying because it hurt because I was like they, they, they don't care until there's like scars <laughs> yeah like my sister used to beat me up and drag me all over the house and they only got mad when I get like rug burn real bad on my back that's oh. finally when they stepped in <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh you're alright don't hurt yeah. <laughs> I was like yeah. whatever <laughs> so we put it on you then <laughs> you know, when I grew up they stopped putting me in scorpion deathlock Mm-hmm. Too afraid now, you know. Got the got the python. Got too jacked. Oh ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Had the twenty two inch pythons going on. Eighty two now. Eighty two inch. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not that vain, Russell. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I don't want to make everyone else feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever want to work for WWE? No, because no? I saw that movie uh, Beyond the Mat. I saw fucked up Mick Foley got mm-hmm. back then. You know. Uh, I did. Like, I did backyard wrestling and all that stuff, like, in middle school. Really? Yeah, we all come to my house, and, like, I was the biggest one, so I was happy. I'd fuck everybody up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Slam people in the backs. And, uh, Farouk, you know, that moved the Dominator. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, could, I could pick people up from the waist and just, like, slam them down the grass like that. Oh, God. So, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, my buddy, he was a big Mick Foley fan, so he was cool taking, like, the big <laughs> falling off things. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I had that belt for a long time. <laughs> So you guys actually like had like a little promotion going on? A little bit. It was almost like shoot, like uh you know like New Japan, they had like kind of mixed uh where it was Am I getting like too deep here? You know about New Japan? Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah. Uh the in Nokiaism they would do like that mixed MMA with pro, pro wrestling in like a weird way that didn't really work. People didn't like it. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh Ankle lock it works. It sucks. You tap out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is before like MMA got real big. So this is, I'm 36. So this is around the year 2000, maybe 99. Attitude era, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're doing all that stuff. And I don't know. There was one year we did it like all year and then all summer. And then uh, we just got stopped. You know? People got girlfriends and stuff. And, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. They didn't like everybody getting covered in grass and. <laughs> Busted up and hurting. Yeah. <laughs> Had a dude punch me square in the nose once, and I was like, hey. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's not wrestling. <laughs> Pull back. Yeah. <laughs> Loose up that fist, pal. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, my God. I remember one time I pedigreed my cousin, like legit pedigreed him uh, in the dirt, like on the dirt ground and... Don't right. try this at home, by the way. Like, don't <laughs> don't do this. I'm not, I'm not endorsing. This is fucking stupid. We did it though. Yeah. Don't do it. Uh, I know wrestling's kind of like toned down now, but back then it was hard. Back in our day, it was, it was real hardcore yeah. champions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I remember I kicked him in the stomach. We had the folding chair. We had the metal trash cans, but had, it wasn't like the gimmick. You know, they're like tinfoil. Those metal yeah. trash cans. These. Yeah. No, we stole our neighbor's trash can. That was like a metal trash can. We're so stupid. <laughs> It hurt. <laughs> Man, ladder matches, tables, kendo sticks, yeah. stop signs. There was all this amazing stuff happening in WWE or F is F at the time. Yeah. Attitude era. And Triple H was probably one of my favorites. That's why I pedigreed my cousin. Kicked him in the stomach. He went down. I legit grabbed him and I just fell like right on his face. And he started crying. And I didn't realize at the time, like, oh, yeah, that's that's going to leave a mark. And it did. It yeah. messed up his face. And you, tri- trips didn't teach you how to mimic <laughs> it, pal. Yeah. 
He didn't tell you the trick. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't teach him how to take it properly. He just didn't take it properly. That's what AJ Styles says when he breaks somebody's neck with the Styles Clash. I was yeah, like, oh, they just, you know, they, they bumped wrong, you know. It's their fault. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't funny. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck. Wait. Yeah, I, I didn't watch wrestling a lot. Yeah, it kind of switched. In, I always called it like the boys in bikinis era where it was like Batista, Randy Orton and all this. Mm. And like I hadn't watched for a while. And then I saw I couldn't tell them apart. It was just like Jack dudes and like briefs. And mm-hmm. so like I didn't really know who anything was. And then I remember I was like just bored one night. And I think I looked at Reddit and uh, Squared Circle is like a subreddit for wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they, it was, I think it was. 2014, 2015, it was Daniel Bryan was getting real big. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just saw, like, on Reddit that, like, the Royal Rumble was happening. I was like, oh, I fucking love the Rumble, you know. I'll go, you know, find a, le- a legal stream of this and uh, watch that. And I did, and I didn't understand a fucking thing that was going on. People were booing Rey Mysterio, chanting for, like, this little bearded dude. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and so, like, I got embroiled in the backstage drama of, like, you know, everybody, you know, Vince, you know, Daniel Bryan's not this big jack dude. Vince doesn't see him as a real guy. Mm-hmm. And people want him, but, you know, he's trying to put out, like, Batista had come back, too. Yeah. It was like, you know, and they're booing Batista. Mm-hmm. Boo-tista. And <laughs> thank you. It was not funny. But Boo-tista. <laughs> Blue-tista. Yeah, he had the blue, I don't know. I remember they called him Blue-tista because they had a weird blue outfit. But, uh, yeah, and then that was a great time to come back in because they finally caved to the crowd, you know, and like mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan was big WrestleMania 30 moment. And so fuck that hooked me again. <laughs> yeah. Started watching it then, got the network and that squared circle teach you about new Japan and all that. I watched a uh, wrestle kingdoms like their WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was like 2015, 2016, just saw Shinsuke Nakamura for the first time. And that dude came out and wrestled like just rock star came out with crown fire everywhere. Uh, wrestled Kota Ibushi. And I was like, I woke up my wife because it's in the middle of the night. You know? mm-hmm. I was like, I got a new favorite wrestler. His name's Shinsuke Nakamura. <laughs> and she goes, great. Thumbs up. <laughs> Don't talk to me again. Uh, but yeah, he was awesome. Just uh, charismatic, doing all that crazy New Japan stuff that really hurts, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, got really into like New Japan because like it's just different, like cooler, like it shouldn't be because they're really hurting themselves. You know, they're really headbutting people, really slapping each other. And it's just a different style, I guess. Fragments of that Enochiaism still, mm-hmm. you know, people expect a certain hard hitting style out there. Yeah. I, how I got into them was when I heard about bullet club. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was like uh their take on the NWO, I guess. Yeah. Is that right? I, I know a lot about those. Kind of got into it, but I never really did get into it. Uh, Finn Balor, so he's, he was uh, Prince Devitt, mm-hmm. and so he good friends with Carl Anderson and a couple of dudes from like uh, I think it's Tomatonga, Bad Luck Fale is the big uh, island dude, mm-hmm. and uh, you know they had like a they started I I am a straight shooter you know I, he has an accent that's hard to not mimic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, I'm the, they, yeah, they had stupid gimmicks back then. So if you're like the Gaijin, it's like, you know, not Jap- Japanese, they're wrestling. Mm-hmm. They would give you like goofy gimmicks. Like I'm the straight shooter. Cause they think Americans all just walk around <laughs> guns everywhere. So there, there's a real shooter. And so we're a bullet club. And so they get away with cussing in uh, Japan because 
they don't know that it's cuss. Like you know, the English oh, really? the cuss, English cuss words don't really. So they'll be in the ring, slap a guy, and they'll go, "You motherfucker!" You know, just start cussing at each other. And Whoa. so that's why Bullet Club is cool. You know, they can cuss and uh. cut these like crazy promos that have to be. You know, it's like all oh, these Americans came to Japan and they're just going crazy. You know, mm-hmm. they're they're not abiding by social norms. So yeah, pretty much like the NWO. You know, coming in just disrespecting things. Whoa! And uh, they lose Fergal to WWE goes NXT. So he goes he goes over uh, NXT, and so they get AJ Styles. So he takes over the Bullet Club and becomes a little more little. It's just as cool. AJ's maybe like a little more serious of a competitor. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fergal a little goofy you know and he just he, there's hilarious promos of him like this is how we dodge the, the Rainmaker I'm talking about Fergal again mm-hmm. uh, Finn Balor and so they go to like doing clothes on he just ducks and he goes ah yeah see that easy and everybody <laughs> cheers and they all start patting each other on the back so he's a little goofy and then AJ Styles got a little more serious you know mm-hmm. until the Young Bucks came in and uh, they start kept saying like, they would take that like DX NWO stuff to like the Goofy Edge. Uh-huh. So like the first time I saw Young Bucks, I hated him because mm-hmm. he was in one of those a big tag team match at a uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and they're like high pitched, like super high pitched, going suck it, <laughs> and like just I was like God, I hate these guys. It's so annoying. Uh-huh. They're just screaming, taking all the attention. Like, like that's the point, you know. They're supposed to be obnoxious, obnoxious foreigners in the Bullet Club, you know. I didn't, yeah. I still don't fucking like them that much. <laughs> Kenny, I liked it. Kenny Omega, I liked him. You know, he he then so AJ Styles and Nakamura had a great match at Wrestle Kingdom, mm-hmm. and then they both went to WWE and uh, kicked each other in the nuts a bunch for some reason. Oh yeah, remember that? <laughs> they had a. I don't remember that. They had a fucking like, you know, if that was a WrestleMania match that Nakamura and AJ Styles had, mm-hmm. it would be like all time great, be like up there with like Andre Hogan. But when they came to the U.S. and Vince is like, I don't get it. Have them kick each other in the nuts. You know, it's a, there, there's like a montage of Nakamura and AJ just, it's like 15 times over really? the course of their feud is just like racking each other. <laughs> is the goofiest like crap. Like he just didn't get it. <laughs> this old man, you know. It's, it's funny that the Japanese guy hit, <laughs> hit the country boy and the country boy hit him back. But uh, so then Kenny Omega takes over. Oh, fucking such a nerd. So Kenny Omega takes over the Bullet Club. And this is, I don't really like, I don't really like the Bucks. Uh, Kenny, all right. Mm. Uh, great matches with Kata and all that. And then they go start some, you know, mud show promotion AEW. Oh. <laughs> I like AEW until recently. Uh, and then who's in, the Switchblade Jay White? They call him a knife pervert. Cause it's funny. Like his gimmick was like, he's got like a switchblade. Uh-huh. And so he had like, not, he just was like a creep. And so people just started calling him knife pervert. <laughs> <laughs> knife pervert. Well, he's just like a greasy, like <laughs> his hair's all wet and he looks gross. And he's got little switchblades all over his pants. His name's switchblade J white. Mm-hmm. They didn't really call him that. It was like nickname fans gave him, I guess, but that's how I think of him. This <laughs> is a knife pervert. Uh, gorillas of destiny. Tama. Tonga, Tongaloa, those dudes are pretty cool. G-O-D. Yeah, yeah. the theme song is real good. That theme song. Oh, my God. Gorilla Tactics. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. That was, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that is probably my favorite theme song. Yeah. Like, I don't know about ever, but it's up there because it's just like so 
dark. Yeah. And it's so like just chill, vibey. It matches them so well. And it does like when they walk out in their entrance and they're just kind of like kind of dancing to it and then they just like start walking and then like, who is it? The one with the long hair. Is that Tonga? Tomatonga, yeah. Is that Tomatonga? Kind of fluffy. Yeah. He yeah. like slides on the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the face paint too. The face paint is dope. Like uh that was dang that was I don't they changed their theme song though, right? It's, I don't know. So, like, I think it's changed now. They lost a lot of I think COVID hit New Japan real bad. Really? Like just their product just kind of tanked and so I haven't been keeping up too much. So uh, the rumor mill, the dirt sheets right now, Sasha Banks is supposed to be at the new uh uh Wrestle Kingdom. Really? Yeah, yeah. I saw that today. I was like, holy shit. They're bringing women in. Uh-huh. <laughs> New Japan's allowing women to wrestle at Wrestle Kingdom now. Really? And so, like, that's a good way to kick it off, man. Mm-hmm. Having her come out. She, her and Naomi quit, right? Yeah. There was. I thought they were going back, though, to WWE. There's always rumors. Like, right now, CM Punk, <laughs> you know, he shit all over his boss on live TV. <laughs> so, what happened? Do you not see that? No. Oh, God. He had a. Like, as a viewer, it's crazy because you don't know what's going on backstage. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, why is he, like, he just won a title at the pay-per-view. Why is he shitting all over these people he's not interacting with on TV? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they had, like, a presser after, I don't remember what the pay-per-view was, but they had a presser. He'd won the title. He's sitting there as the champ. And just off the bat, he, like, picks on this reporter. And he goes, hey. Are you friends with Scott Colton? He's buddies with uh, Colt Cabana, right? Mm-hmm. And he talked a lot of shit on Colt Cabana's podcast about WWE and the way they treated him. <laughs> so uh, WWE sued him. Or no, WWE didn't sue him. So he said just an offhand remark about how shitty the doctor was at WWE. Mm-hmm. And uh, the doctor sued him over that podcast. And it went for years. And it uh, kind of like split Colton Punk, you know, you're dealing with the dealing with this problem and with your friend, the legal battle, whatever. I don't know what happened, but they mm-hmm. don't like each other now. Or Punk didn't like him. And there was a rumor when Punk came to AEW. Colt Cabana's working at AEW, right? Mm-hmm. Suddenly, when Punk shows up, you don't see Colt Cabana anymore. And so, a rumor started circulating that Punk asked that Colt Cabana not be around or get fired or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Punk is adamant that he did not say this. And he swears it's the Young Bucks, and this is not storyline. This is all like real stuff. Yeah, but instead, like, yeah, hire an HR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. Like, and that's that's another thing. Like, you know, as shitty as a lot of people think Vince was, and I, I kind of think he's a shithead. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big tough man, and like those big gorilla dudes, like they'll walk over you if you let them. Mm-hmm. And Punk is not a big gorilla dude. But Tony Khan is not like a, you know, the owner of AEW. Yeah. Not a. Not a Vince. Not a meathead, you know. Yeah. And just kind of meek, meek seeming. Mm-hmm. And so I can, I can see somebody like that just really getting bowled over by uh, big egos and talent, you know. Because you see it like in, in this presser, like watch it after this, man. Like mm-hmm. it's nuts. Uh, punk is like, Tony will start to talk and Punk will just go. Just kind of shut him down. That's his boss writing his checks, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like weird to see, like made me uncomfortable, like for Tony Khan. Mm-hmm. But he's, and he started just, he's like, we have EVPs. He's talking about the Bucks who 
couldn't run a fucking Arby's. He says something like that. I don't know if it's Arby's. Yeah. Sorry, Arby's. <laughs> Sorry. That's, that's what that's John Stewart. He was talking about Arby's. Mm. I don't remember. He couldn't run a Target. I think he said Target. Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't think Punk could run a Target. No. So you ever, you ever work like retail management? Mm-hmm. Sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It does. It's a very elite thing to say, Mr. Punk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Punk. Uh, anyway, that I was, was gonna say uh, <laughs> when he went to UFC. Oh, it's amazing! God, man. I mean, he, think, he wasn't an athletic wrestler. What did he think was gonna happen? He was. He kept saying like, "Oh, I do jujitsu on on the bus." Did to, you ever win to different city? No, yeah. he didn't win. He no, did. I mean, like even like on the bus. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> He was well. He was like. Well, that's I think Vince would wrestle dudes on a plane drunk, and he would win. <laughs> Vince was like you said, a very jacked man. He would become a billionaire eth- ethically. And so, Shane, his son Shane, was a monster too. Like Shane, monster. Dude, he would. Do you know? Like he jumped off. He he went through glass. He they, they went from coast to coast. Parks. He got, I mean, he was just like yeah, the guy he threw that coast around. Coast real good. Okay. The coast to coast was cool. I mean, that was like my favorite thing he ever did. But I mean, the amount of bumps he took was like, I probably been too, um, was crazy. The nepotism is making me too hard on him, I guess. That too. Cause like <laughs> he got like all kind of opportunities, but I mean, but if you look back at compilations of, cause like I didn't appreciate him either until I watched that stuff and I was like, oh wow. Like he actually like took a lot of hits, you know, Kurt Angle, Body slamming him that through rough, the yeah. glass, and I was like, "Dang!" That, that is the roughest one. <clears throat> and then he falls from the Titantron on the Big Show. Yeah, on a crash pad. I wouldn't do it. I don't know why I'm talking shit like that. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being so shitty to Shane McMahon. Sorry, Shane, if you're listening. <laughs> no, but didn't see him. Comes the money. Yeah, good. <laughs> Doing his little dance. Yeah, yeah. He used to annoy me Punk when I was a kid. <laughs> Shane used to annoy me as a kid, though. Yeah. Like, I hated him so his much. His character was like just, I don't know. I hated him so much when I was a kid, and I just could not stand him. Mean, and Eric Bischoff, too. Yeah. I couldn't stand Eric Bischoff when I was a kid. <laughs> I didn't think about Eric Bischoff because I just remember I liked WCW. Like, I liked the first hour of WCW. I, watched, mm-hmm. I listened to the podcast with Russell that you had last week, mm-hmm. and uh, he was like, you know, I'd watch like, you know, the cruiserweights. Mm-hmm. And Jericho and like all those people in the first hour, I was like, I did the same thing because WCW aired like an hour before WWF. Yeah, and so in that Seven. first hour, yeah, they would have all the actual wrestling from the, and then the last hour was like, hey yo, and everybody yeah. was kind of walking around <laughs> acting cool. And so that was when I switched over to WWF. Uh, but you know, you get to see like the cruiserweights, you get to see the luchadors, and just everything that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the stuff that you look back now and see is classic. Because when they're talking about wrestling, they're talking about like, you know, Guerrero, Renoir, uh, Rey Mysterio, uh, Hoovy, you know, all of them just tearing it up, mm-hmm. getting the crowd hyped for like those old men to come out and just go, true, for life, yeah, you know, <laughs> act, act like act like East Coast West Coast gangsters, <laughs> these forty year old white men, you know. <laughs> Hulk Hogan was like almost fifty, right? Out there, like he was old. Let me tell you something, Rodman, you know. <laughs> Jay Little thinks he can beat me. <laughs> Do you remember that? <coughs> it's ridiculous. It was, wasn't it Jay Leno and uh, oh the guy that played for the Jazz, Carmelo? Yes, right? yep. What did Rodman do? Was he just there? Rodman like, was like he was a NWO member, but he I never remember wrestled, right? 
He did actually. He, did he? I got this wrong. So it was DDP and Karl Malone, I and they like wrestled DDP. Hogan and Rodman. I don't count DDP among those. Hey, you old men, you know. DDP yeah. was legit. He was cool. He had the diamond cutter. Yeah, Booker very T. cool move. Booker T was dope. Um, the Sting. Yeah. Oh, I always love Sting. Yeah. Sting. Sting now even man. He's still he wrestling, doing all right? That. He don't have to be doing all that on AEW. I seen diving a, off stuff. <laughs> I seen a video where um, somebody asked about him. They're like, "Does Sting still wrestle?" I was like, "Oh yeah." There's this is this is when like um, he was going off and he jumped off the I think the he's uh, doing those Shane moves. The man. crowd thing. It was a crowd thing, and he jumped on this person and he's like stack tables and he yeah. fell on him. And I was like, "Sting, you don't have to do that, man." Like that's something I really like. They had that simps. I'm a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Cinema, cinema, cinema. I was in a, I was in studio one day and I was explaining something. I was doing real good, sounded professional, like I knew what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And then I said cinematographic and I stopped and went, and I could just feel like the respect in the room just dither, like <laughs> just go away. <laughs> Cinem, cinematography, cinema. Wait, what? what the fuck am I trying to say? Cine- <laughs> Wait. <laughs> they would have those, they'd make movie matches because things old is what they did. <laughs> Because you know they'd set up the spots, you know, give him a breather. They do, uh-huh. they do it for Undertaker now too, you know. Mm-hmm. Or he's he's legit retired now. I think. I think. I don't he's know. a zombie. That's his old gimmick. Like he's gonna come back in twenty years. <laughs> they, they'll make an animatronic. Yeah. Be a hologram. You thought I was resting in peace, but you were wrong. And it glitches, and he <laughs> <It> glitches. <laughs> takes out half the crowd. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> What were you trying to say? Cinemographic? Cin- cinematography? What do they call it? They call it a certain, like... I'm curious. I know what you're trying to say. Cinema. This is the best filmmaking podcast ever. <laughs> Cinematography, cinema. Cinematographer is the meme right now. I'm, I'm a cinematographer. Uh, I'm not. I, the, so as, as a filmmaker, like I'm a shooter. I'm not a cinematographer. Mm-hmm. I don't have the fucking patience to deal with lights and things. Like mm-hmm. just somebody smarter than me, hire somebody smarter than me to do that for me. And I can, I know what I want it to look like, but you know, I'll explain it to somebody that knows lighting. I've tried. I cannot for the life of me. Like I've watched hours of video trying to figure out how to reflect light. There's mm-hmm. a, you know, I'm just so bad at it. I don't know. I just overexpose things and I just hire somebody that's better than me to do that. I get uh, the same thing. I get, um, what do you call it? Uh, intimidated by lighting. Oh, shout out Bryce. He's better than me at that. That's my cinematographer. You know? mm-hmm. Why? How come? I, I, I'm in my mid late thirties. Like this, uh-huh. the, the wrestling dream is fading. How old was DDP? 35? How old is he now? He was like 35 when he started, right? Oh yeah. He was like near. I got this. Yeah. Know. Yeah. You better look out Seth Rollins. Cause I'm coming for you. You know? No. Uh, <laughs> I was joking. I was going to run for council yesterday. I'm not running for council. I'm not going to be a wrestler. I'm not going to run for council. It's the same job. You know? <laughs> uh, Would anyways, you wrestle? Would you give it a shot? Like like in Japan, I don't know what their health care is like. Those dudes get really fucked up. Like, you know, uh, Katsuura Shibata. He's the dude that like, if you ever, you ever look at him, there's a famous thing where he headbutts this guy. Because mm-hmm. he really headbutts him. You hear the thud. Ooh. And the other guy hits the ground. And he stands there and he's a little, like, he starts shaking. And then you see, like, a trail of blood from his hairline just go down. Because he headbutt him so hard. Damn. That guy had a, 
I think it was a little while after that he got paralyzed. Just because that was one of his, like, everyday moves, you know, was just hitting a guy with his head so hard that they <laughs> just lay down to get away from it, and he'd just stand there and act like he didn't just knock his own daylights out. <laughs> Whoa. But he was great. Like, uh, there's a funny, like, you know, people make, like, wrestling memes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they take, like, the, the It's a Hard Knock Life song, mm-hmm. and they have him just slapping the shit out of Okada and just kicking him, and, like, it's a hard, it's a strong style life, if you can Google it. Uh just crazy video. Like, and you can see the sweat flying off the guy when he smacks him. Cause they smack him so hard. And that guy's kind of the, he, I think he's wrestling. He's come back somehow. Like mm-hmm. they, something, something like you have to, I think to be a wrestler and even be halfway good at it. Mm-hmm. He's gotta be your thing. You know, filmmaking is my thing. That's the one thing I've stuck with forever. So like, I like rest. I've stuck with wrestling forever, but also like, man, I remember I was like clearing out a room once and I threw this, uh, strong ish guy and I picked up this big like uh, bookshelf and I threw it and I turned my knee the wrong way. That fucked me up for like two Ooh. weeks. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like living like that in the way healthcare is in this country. And like, I mean, I always go to the Indian clinic, but they probably get sick of seeing me. You know? <laughs> you got to be in jurisdiction too. <laughs> yeah. That's another thing. Like, <coughs> oh yeah. It'd be hard. It'd be like to understand like, you know, to like a pile driver, right? Like mm. you, like your life is like in the hands of the person doing that. To Stone you. Cold got fucked up. Stone Cold to... got fucked up by Owen Hart, right? Yeah. Yeah. He had to change his whole wrestling style. Broke his neck. Like clearly. I didn't know this, but Ugh. Stone Cold did that same exact thing to a Japanese wrestler like four years before that. He broke his neck too? Broke a Japanese wrestler's neck. I, I shared it the other Ooh. day. Because uh, I, I shared it just because I, I knew nobody's going to like it or look at it because it's old wrestling. But, uh, I was like, I'll watch that later. You know, mm-hmm. I never did. But supposedly he did the same thing. They kind of like sit out. Uh, the dude is prepared for a tombstone and he does a sit out, plants his neck in the ground and screwed that dude up. Whoa. And then Owen Hart, Owen Hart did it to him four years later. He, t- he talks about that. He says like, you know, we, you know, people, Owen, RIP, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but he's still like a little salty about it. Cause he's like, you know, he never apologized to me, you know? Really? Yeah. He's talked about it, uh, Stone Cold. Do you, I wonder if that was like maybe Owen? I don't know. I, I, could, I could see like purposely maybe for doing that to somebody else. I mean, because well, if it's the same move, I mean, and four years later, I mean, the amount of people you have to deal with, like accident. You know, you, you've worked places, and like everywhere you've ever worked, there are people that are shitty at their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, if you're going to be a pro wrestler, hey, we got this new guy. You know, just show him the ropes, and mm-hmm. he's a little plucky and. Plant you on your neck, man. That sucks. Yeah, like, it draws. You know, attitude era. Sure. Uh, and you know, I, I we watch uh, Dark Side of the Ring. That's, that's a great documentary show. I love mm-hmm. those dudes. I love the way they do reenactments. Mm-hmm. I was trying to do some of that back when I worked at Cherokee Nation. I'm mm-hmm. like uh, trying to do like reenactments that way, just like kind of shadows and stuff, yeah, just out of focus and mm-hmm. kind of neat. Uh, but on that show, they have D'Lo and Draws. I don't remember what episode it was, but like, it's just kind of like a, cause they didn't do a whole episode on draws getting messed up, mm-hmm. but they address it like, and cause they have D'Lo and draws both on it and draws. is just like, you know, it's just one of those things that happens. It's a movie he's done a million times and just what my day, well, you know, it's not exactly what he said, but he was very kind to D'Lo and you see D'Lo just getting like messed up talking about it. You know, you mm-hmm. tell it really like 
hurts him. Just so many things can go wrong. Did Dilo do the same move to him? To Josh? I don't remember. I don't remember what it was. He's, is, I imagine what it is is that like he had that move that was like a almost like a power bomb, and Dilo would hit the ground with him. I feel like that's what it was. Huh. Yeah, he'd pick him up for a power bomb, and he would land on his butt when they hit the ground. Mm-hmm. That's what I. I don't actually know what it was. Like that's that what Batista I always pictured bomb? when I heard about it. Like that Batista bomb. Kinda, yeah, yeah. Or did Dilo, Dilo do it from the top of the ro- top of the ropes? That was a lowdown. Okay. He had that chest protector. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Plated because he was a heel. Because it's like, oh, I have Scully. I don't know what the reason was that he had that chest protector, but he had like a heel reason that he had to have it on, and it was tough. Dang. Yeah. I always liked him a lot. Dilo Brown. He's real smooth. Yeah. Like he was head cool. moving when he's coming down. Mm-hmm. He had a great theme that he's just chattering through too. Like, mm-hmm. look at the real deal now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like a lot of the Nation of Domination guys. Nation of Domination yeah. was dope. Farouk, I stole the, you know, I stole the Dominator from him, you know, mm-hmm. back in the day. Damn, that was a good faction. Farouk, Mark Henry, uh, D'Lo, The Godfather. Yeah. Owen Hart was even in it and then The Rock. <laughs> 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 I remember I was talking that, about that with somebody because they were like, was Owen, Owen Hart in there? I was like, yeah, I remember because he had on, that's when he was the wearing yellow the, and black. the yellow and black danger yeah. caution type of uh, single or like, something. I am not a nugget. Yeah. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what, somebody called him a nugget and I don't know if that's. DX, like, they did some type of thing where DX. They were on blackface. You remember that? Yeah. That Triple was like, H. You need to step down. <laughs> <laughs> that was a. Uh, that was that same thing. They were. Holy crap. They were in blackface. They were calling. Yeah, they were calling. But then that's the same like uh, promo thing they're doing and with they the gave, blackface. And they had a little white dude who had like. They had a big nose. And they were calling him, him a nose. Yeah. They're calling him a nugget because like, I think Shawn Michaels or Triple H said he's like a nugget in a toilet. So that's where that came from. Oh, okay. And then they just started calling him a nugget. And then, yeah, that's when. And he was trying to keep that heel heat going, I guess. Yeah. 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 And then that's when DX did the blackface thing. That was when was, I'm remembering that because I remember X Pac. He was Mark Henry, and he had all that. Yeah, to make himself big, he had just like stuff in his shirt, or and he was like, "Yeah, yeah he was saying Fat Albert stuff." That is so messed up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, holy crap. Yeah, you know when people say bring back the attitude, <laughs> I was like, I don't know, maybe not everything. You know, <laughs> there was another thing they did too. Uh, it was like another type of like. Where they painted their faces up. I can't remember what it was though, but it they was. They always say Roddy Piper because when he was, was it Mr. T? Oh, it was half, right? Was it, it wasn't Mr. T, was it? It was, uh, I think it was Mr. T, but he like painted his. Half his face black. Half his body black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't remember like, the way it looks, it doesn't read his black face, but like people were like, oh no, he wanted to do black face, yeah. but they wouldn't let him. Yeah. And I was like, okay, why was it okay 10 years later? I know, right? <laughs> It's crazy, dude, like, to sit back and look at this stuff, like, yeah. whoa. I've really, like, women wrestlers, like, that they actually get to wrestle. That's pretty cool. And didn't, didn't Brock, like, do, like, a thing for Eddie Guerrero, too? Like, he had on, like, a, a sombrero and Yeah, Morocco's he came with mariachi was, band and was like, yeah. I don't know, that's kind of. And he was doing, like, <laughs> all this crazy stuff. like But that was, like, the ruthless aggression era. That was when you were talking about the the briefs and the yeah. big body men and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. So WWE is crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. They did a lot of questionable things back then. Vince, you know, there's that thing. He walks up to John Cena and says the N word. Yeah. Yeah. And then he did that in front of Booker T. 
Well, that was the joke is that he's not supposed to be doing yeah, it. Yeah. And Booker T's like, tell me he did not just say that. What a weird time in TV. Cause that was just out there. Like it like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's put this out there folks. This is <laughs> it's on YouTube because like it was, uh, somebody Russell, I think between us, we can take WWE down. We, got the, <laughs> we, we have so much knowledge. We know where the bodies are buried. <clears throat> Man. My dad took me to see, uh, I live in Dallas when attitude Era's going on in middle school. My dad took me to reunion arena when it was still around mm-hmm. and I got to see raw. I bought a Al snow foam head that had like, it was like $20 for a 10 cent foam head. And they put a little <laughs> sticker over the head, the top of it that said, help me. Uh, and so that's, that is great. That's, you, they, that's capitalism. They got, me. <laughs> uh, I didn't know you could go to Sally's beauty supply and just get one of those. Yeah. And it would look better if I wrote it myself in a marker. <laughs> You know, his theme song was "What Does Everybody Need?" That's that Randy Stimpy again. We didn't know. Well, I, I didn't know. Yeah, and I would just, like just say that, like not Your even know what I was you, like, saying. See if you understood. You know, <laughs> see if you were still pure at heart. You know? <laughs> what does everybody want? And your little, and your little dumbass is sitting there singing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people are like, <sighs> yeah, <laughs> so un- making people around you so uncomfortable, <laughs> not knowing that it's a perverted joke. <laughs> See, man, that was that was a crazy time. I mean, oh man, I mean, just like thinking about that and just the amount of crazy shit that was on TV. Anyways, mm-hmm. I mean, just I don't know wrestling. Like, it was my number one thing was yeah. wrestling. I don't know, man. It was so crazy. We, we were like to, ten to be it a was kid amazing. watching that stuff, dude. <laughs> like. TV 14, you know, yeah. and, I, and I hear like other people like that talk about the attitude era when they were kids and they're like, man, my parents knew what I was watching. They wouldn't even let me watch it. And then luckily mine didn't care, I guess. So, uh, I'd watch it in the living room. Like the women weren't allowed to wrestle. Like mm-hmm. they only brawn panties matches. Yeah. Like I'm stoked for Sasha Banks to yeah. go fuck somebody up at Wrestle Kingdom. It's gonna be awesome. Their matches are, I, I enjoy them now more than the men's actually like that. Yeah. Um, the one just has happened. War games. War games. The women's right. war games is fucking like amazing. Regal. Do it. <laughs> Regal. Let's try to do that. War games. War games. Is that Sean Connery? No, uh, William Regal. He would like put some stank on it. And he's like war games. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, yeah, people they're acting up too much. He's got to got to put an end to this. <laughs> war games. Yeah, so he'd just really get into it. <laughs> I liked he brought back war games to NXT, and I was. Man, I was so pumped when they finally announced it for Survivor Series. I mean, because you yeah. got to have it for Survivor Series. I know you got people that, well, because you know, Triple H just kind of play around NXT, mm-hmm. see what would work. Mm-hmm. And then when NXT couldn't beat AEW head to head, they acted like he was some kind of failure. And it's like, well, they were po- anytime they had somebody good, they'd like poach his talent because Raw sucked, you know? Yeah. They would just throw everything at it they could to try to fix it. They didn't know it was, they, you know. Couldn't admit that it was the boss, you know. Mm-hmm. He's out of out of touch. Yeah, very out of touch. Yeah, man, I remember hearing like Jericho and Dean Ambrose going off about uh, Vince McMahon, just about all like the. I mean, well, they still like have a lot of respect and like. Yeah, they a lot of them see him as like a father figure. Yeah, but Ambrose was talking about how I think it was a he broke away from the oh well. The Shield, they broke up or something. And they had, that was he's when, a Looney Tunes character in WWE, man. Yeah, they made him like, uh, that was when they made him wear. He was jacking uh, people like Nickelodeon, you know? They, what they would, he said Vince made him like, would 
I guess you're trying to make him heal or something. He was trying to make him talk shit about the city. So he was trying to make him wear a clothespin on his nose. Because it stinks. Yeah, because it stinks. And then Ambrose is like, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm, Vince, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> You imagine saying it to your boss? Vince was like, no, it's good. It's oh, good shit. That's where that Such came from. shit, yeah. I love Bray Wyatt when he's doing all the puppets and things, and they had the devil puppet of Vince come out. Oh, yeah. Pal, it's such good shit. That's such good like, shit. Yeah. Well, Captain America meme, I was like, I understood that reference. That know? was cool, dude. They're letting Bray run wild. <laughs> I like the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah. I thought well, that they, was really cool. But You know, when they bring in the Fiend, they're like, wow, this is really cool. What's going to happen? Mm-hmm. You got a big, hollow Harley Quinn mallet that... Yeah, that sucked when they did him. Mm-hmm. It was, I don't know. They didn't. Vince, they made Vince him don't in, know how to handle that. Like, it, it was like the Finn Balor demon thing too, where it was like that up too. Two, okay. it was two different characters supposedly, and then then the Fiend, and then Bray Wyatt, and then they brought in. Um, what did you think about Alexa Bliss coming in there? I hated that. Did you hate that? I always really liked her. She's really good. Yeah. And then when she's like, "Hee hee, I'm a goth child." It's weird. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell they were trying to do with it. Was <laughs> it bleeding from the eyes? And I didn't fully watch it. Was she supposed to be like a his helper or something? Or like he, did he summon her or some, some shit know. like that? Because she wasn't. You, know, you would assume because he had the. Does anyone care about this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. You, you talk a lot of wrestling. Uh, so I had assumed like when all that stuff was happening that it was going to be like, you know, he had Sister Abigail. It's his move. It's. There's this mystery. Did she die in a fire or whatever in his story? Mm-hmm. And I assumed she was going to like take on that moniker and just be like a swamp lady yeah, <laughs> or something. And it mm-hmm. just, I don't know. She was just like a goth child. I was like, hee hee, come play with me. And it didn't work for me, but I think they sold a lot of dolls. So they kept doing it. Oh yeah. She had that little doll that was like, yeah, a little looked like somebody didn't know how to make dolls, made a doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 He he. <laughs> we should do this and watch Royal Rumble coming up. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. I, I, do I some little to, commentary or something. Dude, yeah. I'll get drunk and pretend it's real. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I heard I heard some big names are coming through. So. Oh, I'm trying to think. I think Knife Pervert's one of them. <laughs> knife I, for real. Like, I think for he, real? Yeah. Well, he. The name still gets He learned him. how to talk and he's he learned how to cut a promo. So now. Oh, it's not, it's not slow. It's Triple H now. Yeah. Well, the knife pervert name, I don't know. We'll change it. Yeah. We're still doing I, I know I don't stand like Stallone. Nobody. Let everybody know where to follow you. Keep up with you. Check out your movies, everything. Oh, uh, yeah. Look, I'm on Twitter under my name, Rory Crittenden. Uh, I think there's an underscore between my first and last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Scosti by nature, S G A S D I underscore B Y underscore nature, N A T U R E. Add me on Facebook. You know, I think I'm funny, so maybe you do too. He's funny, sweet, great Stallone impressions. Oh, good to be here. Great Joe Pesci impression. Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> I can't jump between them like that. I'm a good mimic sometimes <laughs> when I'm not thinking about it. Cause like when I really got into Stallone, it's yeah. like, all right, let's get out of here. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Well, let's watch Royal Rumble. We'll do something. The Royal Rumble. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Probably invite 
two other people too that want to. I did not chill agree to that. No, fine. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, thank you for coming on. Ooh. I appreciate it. Uh, can't wait to have you back on again. We'll just come on and talk more wrestling or whatever, and yeah. for sure hit that Royal Rumble up. Um, everybody go follow him. Check him out. Wado, Mado, Nala 80. Oh, fuck that. Nala 80. No, no 80. Oh, God. <laughs> Cut it out. They're going to be like, dude, <laughs> he tried to suck up this pawnee, dude. <laughs> botched it. You know. Dude, it's Stallone. No 80. No 80. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, everybody go check him out. Follow him. Keep up with him. Hit him up. For your director needs. He's a filmmaker. Mm. This man's on the move. He's always busy. Give me money. Give him money. He does for impressions free. for money. No, I don't. <laughs> I give Indian names, but just one. <laughs> over and over. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to stop talking. <clears throat> but uh, everybody go follow Okie Podcast if you have not yet. On Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you can add me, Russell Slaney, go on Facebook as well. Check out okipodcast.com. Uh, uh, Podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out the other podcast, Unsolved Mysteries of the Reservation as well. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're available on Apple and Spotify. Schedules are a little crazy right now, so I'll announce it here. Uh, be taking a little break from that. Everybody, everybody can spend time with their families and everything. So we'll be back. 2023 so keep an eye out keep an ear out whatever you say and uh yeah until next time everybody peace now lady <laughs>